Welcome to the Grind It Podcast. You know, life can be such a grind at times, and so we're here sharing God's Word with you to encourage you to keep grinding and to not give up. It's time to grind. So here's the host of the Grind It Podcast, the old school skateboarder himself, Randall Tucker. In our last podcast, we started Luke 19, and we were introduced to a tax collector whose name is Zacchaeus. I'm sure you've heard that story. If you've been in a a church at all, uh, you've heard this story ever since you were a little kid about how he overcame the obstacles that stood in his way of seeing Jesus. But we talked really deeply about how he didn't didn't just want to see Jesus. Zacchaeus really wanted to get to know Jesus. That's what the, the two words in the Greek meant he 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 wanted to perceive jesus and he wanted to inspect jesus he wanted to be close enough that he could reach out and touch jesus to really see god in the flesh the messiah and, and to get to not only see him but to get to really know him and i talked about how i hope that it is our desire that we want to really get to know Jesus, And I talked about the best way of doing that is reading the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, because they are the ones who really dig into the life of Jesus and the life that he gave on the cross for us. But Zacchaeus, he, he overcame the obstacles, the crowds that stood in his way. He, he, he didn't let the enemy discourage him. He didn't give up. He, he, he planned ahead. He saw the tree. He runs as fast as he can. He climbs the tree. And he knew that the crowd and Jesus would pass by that tree and that he would eventually get to see Jesus. But not only did he get to see Jesus, but Jesus had a conversation with him. And not only did he have a conversation with him, he said, dude, I'm going to your house today. And and so Jesus goes to the house of Zacchaeus and Zacchaeus starts repenting of the sins that he has committed by how he has taken money wrongfully from the people. And he's going to give them back four times the amount that he has taken from the people. And so he repents of what he has done, his sin. And and I, I think uh, one of the biggest reasons that people don't want to have anything to do with Jesus. And we see this in the world. I mean, our world is going crazy right now. It, it, is, it is amplified on social media and on the news. And, and, and people are just trying to get as far away from God as they possibly possibly can. And, I, and I, in my opinion, one of the greatest reasons why is because when we get close to God, when we draw near to God and he begins to draw near to us and we have this desire to get to know Jesus what happens is you know Jesus said I am the light of the world and so Jesus is light and and what light does it exposes you can see me right now you can in this video because I have a light above me and it's turned on and so the light is illuminating the room you can see me you can can see uh, my trophies behind me these skateboards and 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 uh the uh the banner that I have behind me, you can see how that it's exposed because of the light. And, and, and see, since Jesus is light, and when we, when we come to Jesus, we really start to see ourselves as who we really are. And we don't like what we see because we love me some me. We love ourselves. And, and we don't want to see all the nastiness that is really inside of us. But, uh, that, that's, that's, uh, um, that's exactly what happened to Zacchaeus, and he repented. And that's the great thing about it. You see, we, we, we see our imperfections, 
and 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 we don't like it. And we're afraid, you know, because we're afraid that God's going to condemn us. And we think of God as this this person sitting up there on a throne above the clouds, and He's going to just zap us down because because we're so bad. And 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 but the Bible says that Jesus didn't come didn't come to condemn us, condemn the world, but to save us. John three seventeen says, "For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world." Through him, and, and, and Jesus is the only way to salvation, and, and the only way that we can come before God and be in the presence of God is through the blood of Jesus, who is light. And so, I mean, the bottom line is we have to be exposed. We have to be willing to be exposed, because that's what's going to happen when we come to God. And 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 in my opinion, that's one of the biggest reasons why people don't seek Jesus. They don't desire God. They 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 don't want to see themselves as they really are. We we want to think about ourselves that we're just something great, we're something fabulous and nothing's wrong with us and we have no issues, we have no problems and we can control our destiny. But let me tell you something. You, you can control your, you you can do you can control your life until the point you die. But what happens at the point of death? Because you can't control death. Death has power and dominion over you. And, and, and the bottom line is when, when death comes and you take your last breath and our heart beats for the last time, we're going to pass into eternity and we're going to spend eternity in one of two places, hell or heaven. And the only way we're getting into heaven is to come before Jesus and being washed in the blood of Jesus. And that's exactly what happened to Zacchaeus. He was exposed but he was seeking Jesus. He was seeking God. And, and, and because he did, and he planned ahead, and he ran as fast as he could, and he climbed that tree, and, and Jesus had the conversation with him. Jesus goes to his house. Yes, he was exposed. He, he, he was a tax collector, and he'd been cheating people out of their money, and he'd become rich. But he repented. And that's all God asks us to do. We, yeah, when we're exposed of our sins, because that's what we are. We're all sinners. Romans 3.23 says, All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We're all sinners. And we all have been exposed by God. But the thing is, God is not condemning us unless we reject His Son. If we reject His Son and we die in that state, lost, separated from God, yes, we're, we're going to be sent to hell. But God is saying, hey, I love you. Nothing can separate me from your love. I, I, I know that you're a sinner, but hey, my, my Son, I sent my Son to die on the cross for your sin. And you can be washed in the blood of Jesus, filled with God's Holy Spirit, and, and have a new purpose in life and start living for Jesus because He loves you. He's full of grace. He's full of mercy. He's full of compassion. He's long-suffering. And, and He's not here to condemn us, but to welcome us into, into His presence. And, and, that, and the Bible says uh, that we can come boldly before the throne of God. How? Only through the blood of Jesus. And we're washing the blood of Jesus God sees us through that filter of the blood of Jesus, and we are forgiven of our sins. And that's what we see in this story of Zacchaeus. And so we talked about how this Jesus is going through Jericho, and a crowd is following Jesus. And, and they could not stand the fact that Jesus, I mean, they turned on Jesus in a heartbeat. When, when he had that conversation with Zacchaeus and said, hey, I'm going to your house today, that crowd instantly turned on Jesus. And, and, and before he's going to leave Jericho, uh, uh, 
he, he he's going to continue his way to Jerusalem, and he turns on this crowd that has kind of turned on him a little bit, and he's uh, because he's going to this notorious sinner, this this tax collector named Zacchaeus. He's going to his house, and they could not believe that he was going to uh, eat with a tax collector in his home, and so Jesus is going to tell this parable to the crowd about a king and his ten servants in verses 11 through 27. This is how that parable goes. Jesus says, the crowd, uh, well Luke says, the crowd was listening to everything Jesus said. And because he was nearing Jerusalem, he told them a story to correct the impression that the kingdom of God would begin right away. Jesus says to the crowd, he says, a nobleman was called to a distant empire to be crowned king and then returned. Before he left, he called together ten of his servants and divided among them ten pounds of silver, saying, Invest this for me while I am gone. But his people hated him and sent a delegation after him to say, We do not want him to be our king. And after he was crowned king, he returned and called in his servants to whom he had given the money. And he wanted to find out what their profits were. And the first servant reported, Master, I have invested your money and made ten times the original amount. Well done, the king exclaimed. You are a good servant. You have been faithful with the little I have entrusted you, so you will be governor of ten cities as your reward. And the next servant reported, Master, I invested your money, and I made five times the original amount. Well done, the king said. You will be governor over five cities. But the third servant brought back only the original amount of money and said, Master, I hid your money and I kept it safe. I was afraid because you are a hard man to deal with, taking what isn't yours and harvesting crops you didn't plant. You wicked servant, the king roared. Your, word, your own words condemn you. If you knew that I am a hard man who takes what isn't mine and harvests crops I didn't plant, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. And then turning to the other standing nearby, the king ordered, Take the money from the servant and give it to the one who has ten pounds. But master, they said, he already has ten pounds. Yes, the king replied. And to those who use well what they are given, even more will be given. But from those who do nothing, even with what little they have, will be taken away. And as for the, these enemies of mine who didn't want me to be their king, bring them in and execute them right here in front of me. All right, let's talk about this parable. Uh, the first thing that we had to keep in mind was the people, including the 12 disciples, Judas is still with them at, at this point. Um, they thought that Jesus was going to be a, a king and that he was going to sit on the literal throne of David in Jerusalem and that he would, was going to literally deliver them from the oppression of, uh, of the Romans. They, they, uh, they were looking for a literal king which is why when Jesus, if you remember, he fed the 5,000, which was more than 5,000. It's more like 10,000 or more because of the women and the children. The 5,000 were the count of the men only. But when Jesus fed what we call the feeding of the 5,000 with the two fish and the five loaves of bread, uh, those people chased Jesus around, literally wanting to make him king. Um, and, 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 and that's what is going on in the crowd 
in, the, in this crowd that is following Jesus to Jerusalem, they're thinking, here we go. We're we about to give it to the Romans. We're we fixing to get it on. We, Jesus fixing our Messiah. He's about to deliver us from the Roman oppression. Woo, woo, woo. And that's why they're, they're throwing their garments on the... Uh, we'll see this uh, uh, pretty soon, how they're throwing their garments for the donkey to walk on on the ground. Uh, they're throwing their garments on the donkey for Jesus to sit on. And they're waving palm branches. And they're singing Hosanna and all this stuff. And they're blessed as he comes in the name of the Lord. They're just praising, praising Jesus because they're, 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 they're praising him like an earthly king. And they're thinking, hey, he's, he's about, he's, it's about to happen. It's about to go down. God's about to deliver us from these awful, evil Romans. Uh, in, in Acts chapter 1, verses 4 through 11, uh, I, I want to share a conversation that Jesus has with his disciples uh, just before he ascends into heaven. It says, once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. And if you go read John 14, he's talking about the promise of the Holy Spirit. And then Jesus says to them, he says, John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And so when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him. Now, read that again. When the apostles were with Jesus, right before he's about to send into heaven, right? He's already come out of the grave. Forty days have passed. There's a, uh, uh, Jesus is going to send into heaven, and then there's going to be ten days. Then the day of Pentecost will come when the Holy Spirit falls. But, but he's been showing himself to the disciples. And, and to, uh, uh, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, over 500 people saw Jesus after his resurrection during his 40 days. But, but right before he's going to ascend into heaven, he's having this conversation with his disciples. And he's telling them to wait for the promise of the Father. They're fixing to take over the, the kingdom of God, right? And, and, and here's, what they're, here's what's on their mind. When the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, meaning they, they just kept on and on and on. They didn't ask him one time. They just kept asking him. And here's the question they kept asking him. Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? He replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. They, they wanted deliverance they wanted to be because jerusalem was the big dog back in the old testament until nebuchadnezzar and the babylonians came in and wiped them off the face of the mountain destroyed uh, uh the temple the temple's been rebuilt right but what they don't know is just within 70 years the temple is going to be destroyed forever it's still laying in a pile of rubble in jerusalem but they're thinking physically are, are you going to deliver us from these awful romans and, and, and Jesus is thinking of a of a different a different kingdom. Uh, he says, "My kingdom is not of this world." And, but they're thinking of you know Jesus is going to be sitting on the throne of David. That's what this Christ thing, and that's what the Jews thought the Messiah was going to do. That He was going to deliver them and restore them back into power. That they were going to be the big dogs of the world. And that's what the disciples are saying here, over and over again. He's saying, you're going to be full of the Holy Spirit. And they're, they're thinking, hey, are you going to deliver us from, uh, 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 you're going to deliver Israel from the Romans and are you going to restore our kingdom? They're thinking earthly. And he replies, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times and they're not for you to know. But you, he, he tried to refocus their attention to what it should be on, the Holy Spirit. He says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you 
And you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching. And they could no longer see him. And as they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. They were angels. They didn't even notice there were angels beside them because they were trying to stare at Jesus going to the clouds. They'd never seen anything like this. This guy just levitated off the ground and disappeared in the clouds. And they don't even notice the angels. And so the angels start talking to him. Uh, it says, Men of Galilee, they said, Why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. So they just they just didn't get it. The people didn't get it. They didn't understand Jesus and, and, and his mission. His mission was to die on the cross for the sins of man, be resurrected on the third day, and then uh, after 40 days ascend back to the Father, and he's going to sit at the Father's right hand, ruling on the throne of David. But they're thinking a literal earthly throne. They're thinking that Jesus, the Messiah, was going to be king. And Jesus shows up and he's wearing, he, he's not in in, in uh, political garb. He's not wearing fancy robes like a king. He's not, uh, uh, the dude was born in a manger. He, he didn't have a home. He was a nomad. He was basically homeless. He was walking around from city to city. He looked normal. He dressed in everyday clothes he looked like an ordinary everyday your average dude there was nothing special about the way jesus looked and the people they they just did not understand and especially even the 12 disciples they did not get it until the holy spirit falls on them in acts chapter 2 and we see this in verse uh, in acts chapter 2 verse 22 through 37 and Peter says this, uh, being full of the Holy Spirit, and he's preaching that first sermon on the day of Pentecost. And it says, people of Israel, listen. God publicly endorsed Jesus. Uh, publicly, not privately, publicly. He did this out in the open, before your very eyes. God publicly endorsed Jesus. Remember when uh, Jesus was baptized by John the baptizer. Uh, what happens? He comes up out of the water. The heavens open. The dove comes down and, and lands upon Jesus. And a voice comes down from heaven and says, This is my son, and uh, whom I love, whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him. Right? So God didn't do this thing in the corner. Uh, he did it publicly. And Peter says, Hey, Israel, you Jews, God publicly endorsed Jesus, the Nazarene, by doing powerful miracles and wonders and signs through him, as you well know. You can't deny that. But God knew what would happen, and his prearranged plan was carried out when Jesus was betrayed. Prearranged plan. Lesson in that, too. With the help of lawless Gentiles, you nailed him to a cross and killed him. So both Jews and Gentiles are guilty, right? The Roman soldiers. But God released him from the horrors of death and raised him back to life, for death could not keep him in his grip. King David said this about him, I see that the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken, for he is right beside me. No wonder my heart is glad and my tongue shouts his praises. My body rests in hope. For you will not leave my soul among the dead or allow your Holy One to rot in the grave, for you have shown me the way of life, and you will fill me with the joy of your presence. Dear brothers, think about this. You can be sure that the patriarch David wasn't referring to himself when he was writing that in the Psalms. But for David died and was buried, and Peter says his tomb is still here among us. You can go and visit his bones if you wanted to. But Verse 30, But he was a prophet 
and he knew God had promised an, uh, with an oath that one of David's own descendants would sit on his throne. There it is. You know, he, they were looking for somebody to sit on the throne of David. This Messiah that was coming would sit on the throne of David. And, 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 and Peter saying David was a prophet. He knew that God had promised with an oath that one of David's own descendants would sit on his throne. Verse 31, David was looking into the future and speaking of the Messiah's resurrection. There you go. There's the answer. Not an earthly kingdom, but a spiritual kingdom, a heavenly kingdom, if you will. He was saying that God would not leave him among the dead or allow his body to rot in the grave. God raised Jesus from the dead, and we're all witnesses of this. Now he is exalted to the Jesus. Now he, Jesus, is exalted to the place of the highest honor in heaven at God's right hand. <clears throat> and the Father, as he has promised, gave him the Holy Spirit to pour out upon us, just as you see in here today. For David himself never ascended into the heaven, or into heaven. Yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at the place of honor at my right hand until I humble your enemies, making them a footstool under your feet. So let everyone in Israel know for certain, Peter says, that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, to be both Lord and Messiah. And Peter's words pierced their hearts, and they said to him and to the other apostles, Brothers, what do we need to do? What do we got to do to make this right? And Peter tells them to repent and be baptized, every one of them, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of their sins, and they would receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So, in his sermon on the day of Pentecost, Peter makes it absolutely clear that Jesus is sitting on the throne of David, and that Jesus is absolutely far greater than David. And David was very, very respected among the Jews, and he still is to this day. Um, and and they, they, they loved and respected, like I said, David. And, and, and Peter is saying, Jesus is far greater. And he is sitting on the throne of not David, but of God. And he's sitting at the right hand of the Father. It's a power. It's a place of power and authority. And Jesus tells us that God has given him all power and authority, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Um, <clears throat> so Jesus takes this opportunity then uh, to tell the crowd basically this from that parable that he told them. He says, this is uh, uh, what my version of what Jesus is telling the crowd. He says, y'all ain't getting what you're thinking, uh, what you're thinking about that, that you're going to be getting. And, and, and many of you are going to be disappointed because you're expecting something completely different. You're expecting an earthly king, but my kingdom is not of this world. It's completely different than what you are expecting. They were expecting royalty dressed in fine linen like a king, but what they got was a baby born in a manger. I mean, they couldn't even... They couldn't even get him a room in the inn or at the hospital or nowhere. He, he, he was born with the animals. He was born of a woman who the people considered her as an adulterer because she was pregnant and wasn't even married to Joseph. And so she was called an adulterer. And, 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 and Jesus, like I said, he's this ordinary average dude walking around dressed like a normal person. Not in, in, in priestly garbs, not in uh, uh, king, king's robes. He didn't have a crown. He didn't have a scepter until they were going to crucify him. And, and they put him on a mock trial and they put that crown of thorns on his head and they put a scepter in his hand and they beat the crap out of him. 
The people were expecting a mighty warrior who would deliver them like from the, from the Roman oppression, but they got a guy who allowed himself, because Jesus said, I lay down my life. Nobody takes my life. That's why he told Pilate. He, he said, Pilate, you don't have no authority over me, dude. He, he could think of thought and, 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 and have Pilate just die right there on the spot and turn to, to uh, uh, Apollo Ash. Pilate had no authority over Jesus, and Jesus says, "My Father's allowing this to happen because this this is the plan. Of, this is the will of my Father, and I lay down my life. I give my life. You don't take my life from me. I give my life." And and, and so <laughs> they were expecting uh, uh, this mighty warrior who would deliver them, but they they get a guy who allowed himself to be killed by the Romans and and, and hung on a public display for all to see. That that's why when we read when Jesus was hanging on the cross in Matthew 27, 35 through 44, it says this. After, after they had nailed him to the cross, the soldiers gambled for his clothes by throwing dice. And then they sat around and they kept guard as he hung there. And they're watching Jesus breathe and he's struggling and he's in so much pain. And he's trying to breathe and, and, and to hang on. And he's going to be on that cross for six hours before he takes his last breath. From nine in the morning to three in the afternoon. Um, it says they, they, they sat around there they're watching him hang there and a sign verse 37 was fastened above Jesus' head announcing the charge against him and it read this is Jesus the king of the Jews a pure mockery of who Jesus they, they didn't understand who Jesus was but they said and it says two, revolu- two revolutionaries were crucified with him one on his right and one on his left and the people passing by shouted abuse, shaking their heads in mockery. Look at you now, they yelled at him. You said you were going to destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days. He was talking about his body. He wasn't talking about the, the literal physical temples. But see, they just didn't get it. They, they did not understand. You said you were going to destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days. Well, then if you are the Son of God, if you are the Messiah like you claim, save yourself and come down from the cross. The leading priests and the teachers of religious law and the elders also mocked Jesus. He saved others, they scoffed, but he can't save himself. So he he is the king of Israel, isn't he? Let him come down from the cross right now and we will believe him. He trusted God, so let God rescue him now if he wants him. For he said, I am the son of God. They, they, they didn't believe it. Even, even verse 44, even the revolutionaries who were crucified with him ridiculed him in the same way. Jesus Jesus knew the whole time that the very people that he came to save would reject him. And they did. They just, they, they did not get it. They did not understand. Even though there's over 300 prophecies about the Messiah in the Old Testament, even though they've been taught for most of their life or all of their life about the Messiah, and, and, and they had all of these details, I mean, absolute finest details of who the messiah would be and jesus fulfilled every single one of them and they saw him do miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle john says that he'd done so many great things that there's not enough books in the world that could be written that contained all the great things that jesus the messiah did and yet when these people who were singing his praises as he come into jerusalem by the end of the week, they're yelling, crucify him. And now that he's hanging on the cross, they're walking by saying, hey, if you're the real deal, if you're the Messiah like you claim, you can come down off that cross, save yourself. But but they missed the whole point because the whole point of him being on that cross was to die for their sins and our sins, my sins and your sins so that the his blood could wash 
away our sins and we could be reconciled back to God. And so many people today, they're still looking for a kingdom and they're waiting for Jesus to return and, and to set that kingdom up. And, and I'm, I just want to tell you the kingdom has already begun because the kingdom is the church. And, and, and I'm just going to cover this briefly. This subject goes way deeper than what we're going to cover in this podcast. But the kingdom is the church and it started right there in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost when Peter preached that first sermon and uh, about 3,000 gave their lives to Jesus and were baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for their mission of their sins and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and it's been growing ever since then. Now, we've already already covered in Luke 17, uh, but towards the end of, of the chapter, there's a Pharisee that asked Jesus about the coming kingdom and Jesus replies in verse 20 and 21, he says, when, one day the Pharisees asked Jesus, when will the kingdom come? Or when will the kingdom of God come? And Jesus replied, the kingdom of God can't be detected by visible signs. You won't be able to say, here it is, or it's over there. The kingdom of God is already among you. Why would Jesus say that? Because he's walking around with the people. He says, the kingdom of God, it's already among you. He was talking about himself. He is the king. He is the ruler over the kingdom. Not the kingdom that's coming. The kingdom that's already been established. Jesus is the head of the church. The church is the kingdom of God. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 23, for the husband is the head of the wife as Christ also is the head of the church, he himself being the savior of the body. Colossians 1:18, he is also head of the body, the church, and he is the beginning the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself will come to have first place in everything. And in skipping ahead of a few verses, the people worship Jesus as king in Luke 19, verses 32 through 40. And this is what it says. This is where they were. Jesus is coming in Jerusalem, right? And, and, and uh, he told them to get a donkey, and, and, and he's going to come riding into Jerusalem on that donkey. In Luke 19, 32 through 40, this is what it says. So they went and they found the colt, just as Jesus had said. And sure enough, as they were untying it, the owners asked him, Why are you untying that colt? And the disciples simply replied, The Lord needs it. And so they brought the colt to Jesus and and threw their garments over it for him to ride on. And as he rode along, the crowd spread out their garments on the road ahead of him. And when he reached the place where the road started down the Mount of Olives, all of his followers began to shout and sing as, as they walked along, praising God for all the wonderful miracles they had seen. Blessings, blessings on the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. But some of the Pharisees among the crowd said, Teacher, rebuke your followers for saying things like that. And he replied, Hey, if they keep quiet, the stones along the road would burst into cheers. They, they were treating Jesus as an earthly king. Not a heavenly king. They, they didn't understand. They're looking for this Messiah to deliver them from the Roman oppression. And they think that's why Jesus is coming into Jerusalem. Now we're fixing to whip some Roman butt. And, and they just had it all wrong. And so Jesus is the head of the kingdom. He is the king of the kingdom. He's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He is the head of the church, which is what he came to die for. The church is being the people who are called out. God has called us out. Those who have been washed in the blood of Jesus Christ and filled with the Holy Spirit and living for God as best as they can on a daily basis are the ones who make up the church. 
And it's not a building. It's a people. It has nothing to do with a building. They didn't even have buildings when the church first began in Acts chapter 2. They were meeting outside at the temple. And then they started meeting in people's homes. Uh, buildings came much later. And, and, and unfortunately, uh, a lot of crap came with the buildings. But anyway, going back to the kingdom of God. Uh, God's kingdom uh, consists of both Gentiles and Jews. Gentiles and Jews. In John 10, 14 through 16, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me. Just as my father knows me and I know the father. So I sacrifice my life for the sheep. Well, who are the sheep? He says, I have other sheep too that are not in this sheepfold. I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice and there will be one flock and one shepherd. He's talking about the Gentiles not just the Jews. He came for the Jews and the Jews rejected him, but there was a reason why the Jews rejected him because the Gentiles were also welcomed into the fold. And that's why Peter or uh, uh, Paul, or when he was Saul, he was persecuting uh, Jewish Christians. He was going to their houses. He was going from house to house and pulling them out of their houses if they followed Jesus, both men and women, putting them in prison, and they were being killed. But when he was converted, when he, had, uh, when he met Jesus on the road to Damascus and he was knocked off his horse and, and he was blinded for those three days and, and he goes to Ananias' house and, and Ananias tells him about Jesus uh, and, 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 and he regains his sight. He's baptized for the remission of his sins. From that point on, Jesus had told Paul, or Saul at the time, he's, he changed his name to Paul, but Jesus had told Saul, Paul, that he would be an ambassador to the Gentiles. And so Paul would spend the majority of his ministry going to the Gentiles. And matter of fact, there was a, a Gentile church at Antioch that rivaled the church that was in Jerusalem among the Jews. But listen to Galatians 3, 26 through 29. For you are all Jew and Gentile. You are, and, and basically, if, if, if a Gentile is anybody that's not a Jew. If you are a Jew, you're a Jew. If you're not a Jew, you are a Gentile. So keep that in, in your mind. Uh, Paul says, you're all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus, both Jew and Gentile. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ, like putting on new clothes. There is no longer Jew or Gentile. There's no longer slave or free. There's no longer male or female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. You are his heirs. And God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. And he's talking to Gentiles here and Jews. And he's saying, hey, there's no longer this separation of people. When you are baptized into Christ, you are one. And that, because God desires unity. And we see this in the book of Acts over and over again. When people are unified, there's power in unity. And that's what Paul is saying. He said, there's, there's no longer these labels. We're not divided anymore. We are one in Christ Jesus. And, and, and for the longest time, see, the promise was made to Abraham. Abraham became the father of the Hebrew people who were the Jews. Right, and that's why they would tell Jesus, "We're not slave to no man. We belong to Abraham," and, and and they knew they were God's chosen. But now Paul is saying that even the Gentiles are God's chosen. The, even the Gentiles are 
made one with the Jews in Christ Jesus. He says, you are heirs and God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. Talking to both Jews and Gentiles because God's kingdom, the church, is for everybody. No matter where you're from, where you've been born, what nationality nationality you are, no matter what color your skin is, you can be a part of God's kingdom. You can be washed in the blood of Jesus Christ and you can be filled with God's Holy Spirit and you can go to heaven today. There is no stipulations. All you have to do is put on Christ, be baptized for the mission of your sins and, and, and start walking with Jesus because you're filled with His Holy Spirit and stay faithful to God and walk with God on a daily basis until the end of your life. And you are a part of God's kingdom. I ran across this when I was studying for this podcast, and it explains it really well. And it's from BethlehemPA.org. And it says, Jesus himself said to the multitude, Mark 9, 1, There be some of them that stand here, which, and he's talking about the kingdom. And I'm trying to explain that the kingdom is already here. There's, There's not a future kingdom. The kingdom is here now. And we can be a part of that kingdom. Uh, Jesus himself said to the multitude, Mark 9, 1, There be some of them that stand here which shall not taste of death until they have seen the kingdom of God come with power. If the kingdom is still in the future, those people which stood there are getting quite aged. They would have to still be alive, right? In Matthew 16, 18 through 19, Jesus used the terms church and kingdom interchangeably. Paul stated to the church at Colossae, in Colossians, uh, Colossians 1, 13, that they had been delivered from the power of darkness and translated into the kingdom of Christ. The kingdom must have arrived if Paul and these Colossians, all alive and well, were already in it. Further, the writer of, he- the, writer of the Hebrew letter confirmed the kingdom's reality in Hebrews 12, 28. The Bible doesn't say that Christ will return to set up his kingdom. Well, that's what a lot of people teach. But the Bible does not say that Christ will return to set up his kingdom. What it does say is that when he returns, he will deliver up the already established kingdom to his heavenly father, 1 Corinthians 15, 24. And when that happens, all the saved will be in it. Anyone can enter, and we'll repeat that, anyone can enter the kingdom by the obedience to the gospel of Christ. John 3, 5, Mark 16, 16, Acts 2, 38, 41, and 47. So the kingdom then, it's already here. It's already been established by Jesus when he died on the cross and he was uh, buried for three days. And after the third day, he come out of that tomb. And he has, 40 days later, after being seen of over 500 people, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, he ascends back to the Father. He sits at the Father's right hand. All power and authority has been given to him. He's conquered death and hell and the grave. He's got the keys uh, to all of it. And uh, and then the Holy Spirit falls on Acts chapter 2. And the apostles then are filled with the Holy Spirit. Peter preaches on the day of Pentecost. Three thousand, About 3,000 people are added to the church by God, and then it just starts going from there, and it goes, and it goes, and it goes, and it's still going today. Uh, I forget the day's date, but I'm at the end of April in 2022 in God's kingdom. The church is still growing. It's still going, and it will continue to grow. It will continue to go 
until Jesus returns and ends this whole thing. But the kingdom is here and you can be a part of it, Jew or Gentile, by giving your life to Christ and having your sins washed by the blood of the Lamb, the King who is the head, the ruler of the kingdom called the church, Jesus, the Messiah. Don't have, please, 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 don't have missed expectations like the Jews did when Jesus was walking around on the earth. They rejected Jesus and, and, and they because they didn't understand they were they they were expecting somebody totally opposite than what they got they read scriptures they perceived how the messiah was going to be and they couldn't get past their perceptions please please don't make that same mistake don't listen to what people say about jesus don't listen to what i say about jesus get in the word of god yourself read matthew mark luke and john that talk about Jesus, who are eyewitnesses' accounts of, of who, who, what Jesus did and who he is, and get to know Jesus for yourself. And I promise you, if you would just take the time to get to know Jesus for yourself, your eyes will be opened. God will reveal himself to you, and you will have the opportunity to really get to know Jesus and to follow Jesus. It will be the best decision you have ever made in your life get you an easy version to read you say i can't understand the bible get you a new living translation or a niv or a, a new american standard or a new king james those are pretty easy to read and understand and i promise you if you'll just ask god to help you understand and you want to know jesus and i recommend starting in john because john just basically says here's jesus this is who he is this is what he did you need to know him so start in the book of John, and you will get to know all about Jesus. And if, if you already know Jesus, uh, I hope and pray that you are telling people about Jesus and what he has done in your life. If, if you need help getting to know Jesus, if you got questions about Jesus or the Bible, uh, please contact me at thegrinditpodcast at gmail.com, and I will respond to your questions just as quickly as possible. And and and. and if you're uh, not anywhere near me, uh, I can uh, find people in your area that will lead you to Jesus, that will help answer your questions that you may have about Jesus or the Bible. I would be glad to do so. But God bless you. Thank you for searching. Thank you uh, for uh, giving your life to Christ and being a part of the kingdom of God. Go out today and tell somebody about Jesus so that they can have the same hope that you and I have. God bless you and keep grinding. Thank you for listening to the Grinded Podcast today. May God bless you. If you have any comments or questions, you can email them to us at thegrinditpodcast at gmail.com. If you would like Randy to come and speak at your church or your next event, you can contact him through that same email address. Also, I would like to thank Jody Foster's Army, also known as JFA, for their song, Abba, as we use for our intro and our outro off their untitled 1984 album. May God bless you, and remember, keep your eyes on Jesus and keep grinding.